Angela. Let's take a Bibles. Turn to Romans, please. Chapter 11. Romans 11. Now let's look to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together uh, this morning around your word, to be able to take some time to refresh ourselves in your truth. And Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is precious and that your word is your divine revelation given unto us. We pray that you'd help us today as we open up your word to glean from it, Father God, what you would have for us. Lord, use me, I pray, to your glory and enable me, Father, this morning to have clarity of thought and simplicity of speech. And may, Father, we uh, be able to receive from you that which you'd have for us as your word was given for our benefit, Father God. And we do pray that you'd help us now as we study together. Use your word to be a blessing to our hearts. God, now we pray in this time, May you receive all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there are some people today in our world who believe that the nation of Israel does not have a future. Even though they're back in the land and they have existed as a nation since 1948, some teach that God has cast his people away forever. Romans chapter 11 was written to present proof that refutes that claim. Paul wants to demonstrate that Israel does have a future. He says in verse 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people, God forbid. Then he repeats in verse 2, he says, God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Romans 11 is written that we might know that Israel does have a future. Paul proves this by calling several witnesses to demonstrate that there will always be in Israel. The first of these witnesses is Paul himself. And then the second witness is God's foreknowledge in verse 2. And the third witness is Elijah's testimony in verses 2 through 6. And now today the next witness that he calls is the scriptures in verses 10 through 11. In fact, the apostle uses some Old Testament scriptures in the last part of this section to sum up what he's previously said in Romans chapter 11. And first of all, Paul explains that God has chosen to save a Jewish remnant. That God has chosen to save a Jewish remnant here in verse 7. He says, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. God chose to save all in Israel that would believe. Just as he will save all those Gentiles who believe. That's just God's passion, God's desire. God is not willing that any should perish. God's word clearly teaches that he wants all to be saved, Jew and Gentile. And that God will save any Jew, God will save any Gentile who will call upon the name of the Lord. In fact, he describes it here in verse 7 as the election hath obtained it. The election hath obtained it. We'll come back to that shortly. You know, God loves Israel. And he has proven it often by his demonstration of his love for them, by his demonstration of his grace towards them. He's proven it by always saving a believing remnant. 
And the truth is that God will save anyone who will believe in Christ. And he starts this section of Romans chapter 11 in verse 7 with the phrase, what then? What then? In other words, what he's saying is, what is the position of Israel in the light of what I've been saying? Since I've said that Israel is not finished, that God is not done with Israel, that God has not cast away his people forever, in the light of what I've been saying, what then? What's the position of the nation of Israel in the light of what I've been saying? And his answer is this, that Israel, the nation as a whole, hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. Verse 7, what then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. Now the word seeketh here is not a casual looking at, but a present and earnest, persistent seeking. In fact, he uses the present tense here in this phrase to indicate that Israel in his day, in Paul's day, was still earnestly seeking what uh, they were looking for. It was an earnest seeking. It says there in verse 7, Israel has not obtained that which he seeketh for. They were looking for something and they had not obtained that which they were looking for. So the question that comes to mind then is, what is it they were looking for? What is it they were seeking? What were they earnestly pushing their passions into to obtain? Well, there's no question that the answer to that is that they were seeking righteousness. They were seeking to be righteous before God. They wanted to be right with God. Israel was searching and seeking for righteousness, for justification, for acceptance with God. And we know that from Romans chapter 9. Go back to verse 31 of Romans 9. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not obtained to the law of righteousness. So the thing they were seeking to obtain was righteousness. Now, they had not found it, which is what Romans 9 tells us, and what Romans 11 7 tells us, they had not found what they were seeking for, and the reason for that is because they were seeking it all the wrong ways. They were seeking God's righteousness by works. They had not found it because they would sought to find righteousness by keeping the law not by faith, Romans 9.32. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. So the reason why Israel has not found what they sought after is because they sought it by works of the law, by trying to keep the law rather than seeking it by faith. And that's the point of verse 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for. Why? Because they sought to obtain it by keeping the law rather than by faith in Jesus Christ. The nation as a whole, the nation of Israel at the time of the writing of Romans and indeed today, was in unbelief. But Paul wanted to, us to understand, wanted the Romans to understand, wanted the Jews in Rome to understand, in fact, wanted the Jewish nation to understand, that that does not mean that no one, no Jew had obtained righteousness. Just because the nation as a whole sought after righteousness and not, not found it because they sought it the wrong way, that does not mean that there are not those within Israel who had not obtained 
righteousness. Because he says in verse 7, What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it. The election hath obtained it for those that believe. There are those within Israel who had believed. There are those today within Israel who have believed. The election has obtained for them the righteousness which they sought after. Those Jews like Peter, like Paul, like David Kaufman today, though all those who believe in the Messiah, they have obtained what Israel was always seeking after but had not found, they'd obtained the righteousness of God. The election had obtained it, still obtains it, and will until Jesus comes. Now note it doesn't say here, the elect have obtained it. It says the election hath obtained it. So what does it mean, the election? What is it speaking about? Well, that goes back to verse 5 in Romans chapter 11. Even so then, at this present time, also there's a remnant according to the election of grace. The election of grace. Now, if you remember from last week, when we talked about verse 5, the election of grace, what that means is this, they, they were chosen to receive grace. So those who are chosen to receive grace have obtained the righteousness which they sought after. Now we need to remember too that God chose an eternity past to show his grace to all who believe in Jesus Christ. God's eternal decree was in eternity past, I choose to save all who will believe in Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 tells us that all those in Christ, all those who believe in Jesus Christ, I choose to save, I choose to give righteousness unto, to impute my righteousness unto all those who believe in Jesus Christ. That was God's eternal decree. And so when it says the election hath obtained it, it means that God's eternal decree to save all who believe in Christ hath obtained God's righteousness for them. You see, they sought after righteousness. They could not obtain that righteousness by keeping the law. The works of righteousness that they did were as filthy rags. There was nothing they could do to obtain that righteousness. The imputed righteousness of God that's required for salvation. As we saw at the Lord's table this morning, Christ died, shed his blood, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So how do we obtain the righteousness that God requires? We obtain it by being in Christ. How do we get in Christ? We get in Christ by faith in him. We believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. We get into Christ by faith. So the righteousness which is required of God is obtained by faith. And God chooses to give that righteousness to all who believe. That's the election that hath obtained it. Now remember, there's only one condition that applies if you want to receive the election of grace. Said so that, and that's faith. Those who believe in Jesus Christ, those in Israel who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, they are the people, Jew and Gentile, that God has chosen to impute his righteousness. 
And although Israel as a nation had failed to obtain what they were seeking for, righteousness by keeping the law, there was a remnant that obtained righteousness because God extended his grace to them because they believed in Jesus Christ. Today there's a remnant in Israel who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They've acknowledged Christ as the Messiah. They believed on him and him alone for salvation, and they are saved. We know from Ephesians that they are now part of the body of Christ. They're part of the church because he broke down the middle wall of petition, and now Jew and Gentile make up the church. But the means by which you become part of the body of Christ is by faith in Christ, believing who he is, believing that he is who he says he is, acknowledging you're a sinner before a holy God, and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone for salvation. That's the only means by which we're saved. And God decreed in eternity past that he would not turn away anybody who would turn unto him for salvation. God still gives his grace. He still imputes his righteousness to anyone who believes. God has chosen to save whosoever will call upon him. Romans 10, 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In fact, verse 12 says, For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's no doubt that God is a remnant that he has saved in Israel. The remnant that he saved in Paul's day, the remnant he's been saving throughout history. God loves his people and God will save all who will call upon the name of the Lord. There is no doubt that Israel will exist. But what about the rest? What about the rest of Israel? Well, the end of the verse tells us about the rest. It says, what then? Verse 7, this is, Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. So secondly this morning, the rest were blinded. The nation of, Israel, uh, nation of Israel as a whole, the political and religious institutions of the nation of Israel, had not attained God's righteousness because they were blind. In Christ's day, in Paul's day, even today, the political and religious establishment of Israel have not received the righteousness required of God for salvation because they are blind. And they were blind because they went about trying to establish their own righteousness by keeping the law. Look in Romans 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So you obtain righteousness that's according to the law by faith in Christ, everyone that believeth. But they had not received the righteousness. The nation of Israel was blinded because they'd sought it by keeping the law. They'd sought to establish their own righteousness rather than trusting in Christ. And because they sought it by works, 
They rejected and crucified their very Messiah. They rejected and crucified Jesus Christ. Because they sought righteousness according, according to their own works, they stumbled at the stumbling stone. They stumbled at their Messiah. Revela uh, so Romans 9.33, as is written, Behold, I lay in Zion, a stumbling stone, a rock of offense. Who believeth on him shall not be ashamed. He became a stumbling stone to them because they did not accept knowledge that he was their Messiah. They did not acknowledge that he was the Savior that God had promised. They did not acknowledge that he was the Son of God. They rejected him as a nation. As the means of obtaining the righteousness that God requires of them, they stumbled at him, their stumbling stone, because they failed to see the means by which God was to provide righteousness for them. And therefore they became blinded. In verse 7 here. And the rest were blinded. The word blinded there carries the idea of hardened. Their, their eyes were blinded, their hearts were hardened. Like Pharaoh of old, whose heart was hardened. The nation of Israel's heart was hardened. Now we know that Pharaoh's hardening of his heart was a result of a continual process of him willfully rejecting God and his will. During the ten plagues of, of Egypt, we know that each time Pharaoh hardened his heart because he rejected the will of God to let the people go. And eventually it says that God hardened his heart. And the point there is that every time he rejected the will of God, his heart was hardened and God allowed his heart to get harder because he rejected what God wanted for him. This hardening for the vast majority of Israel, oh sorry, like Pharaoh, God hardened the hearts of the nation. Look in verses 8 to 10 of Romans 11. It says this, According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back always. This hardening for the vast majority of Israel came as God presented to them Jesus Christ. And every time Christ was presented to them as the Messiah, as Christ presented them as a means of salvation, as Christ presented them as the Son of God, every time they heard the gospel preached, their hearts were hardened. Because they would not believe in Jesus Christ. They wouldn't acknowledge who he was. Because they wouldn't acknowledge his person, they rejected his work. They rejected the Savior. Their hearts were hardened because they did, because God refused to give in to their rebellion. And the wonderful truth of God's word is that God is willing to save anyone who will call upon the name of the Lord for salvation. Nobody sits outside the scope of God's place of salvation. God says he will save all who will believe. As we saw this morning, Jesus Christ came to reconcile all things unto himself. He died so that the means of salvation was available for all. He offers salvation to all. All mankind can be saved. But man's heart is hardened. Because they will not believe on Jesus Christ. 
They will not acknowledge that he's the only means of salvation. When men reject that Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation, their eyes are blinded, their hearts become hardened, and they cannot see because they are hardened-hearted. And that was Israel's problem. It didn't matter how many times God presented them that Jesus Christ was their Messiah. No matter how many times God revealed to them that Christ died for them, that they might be saved. Instead of that bringing them to salvation, it simply hardened their hearts further because they rejected the very notion that Christ was their Messiah. The very notion that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. The very notion that he was God manifest in the flesh. And because they rejected the truth about who Christ was, they rejected what Christ did. And the hearts were hardened, their eyes were blinded. That was Israel's problem, that's mankind's problem. And you know, we need to pray that God would remove the scales from the eyes of those that we witness to, that they might see that Jesus is the answer. You know, Christmas is not far away. It's a great time to be able to share what the true meaning of Christmas is. I mean, one of the reasons we do the carol service in the backyard is because we enjoy it, but it's so that we might get the neighbors to hear it too. So people might hear the wonderful news that Jesus Christ, the Savior, is born. We need to pray that God would open their eyes and soften their hearts that they might respond. Paul then thirdly quotes from the Old Testament. Having said all that in verse 7, he then backs up what he's saying by quoting two passages of the Old Testament. And he does this to show that there is nothing new. So thirdly, notice, he wants to show that there is nothing new in verses 8 through 10. First he quotes from Isaiah 29 and verse 10 in Romans chapter 11 and verse 8 where we read, according as it is written, this is written in Isaiah 29, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. This means that God has produced a kind of numbness in them. And it says there that God hath given them a spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear. He has brought a numbness to them. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way, they were in a deep sleep, their senses locked up without any knowledge of or concern about the danger they were in, having no sense of sin or of the need of a saviour or a being upon the borders of eternal ruin and damnation or of any ways and means to escape it, but careless and secure as persons fast asleep in the midst of the sea or upon the top of the mast, who when stricken and beaten feel it not, but if by lodging are awakened at all, immediately turn to sleep again, and so sleep the sleep of eternal death. <laughs> they were asleep. They were slumbering. Their eyes were closed. Their ears were shut, so they could not hear. Their eyes were in a deep sleep. They could not see the beauty of Christ. Because their eyes were closed in sleep, they could not see the beauty in Christ. Isaiah 53 verse tells us that. And when we shall see him, 
There is no beauty that they should desire him. That's the truth. They did not see the beauty in Jesus. They did not see the beauty in their Messiah. They did not see the beauty of holiness within the Son of God. They missed him. Because of their hardness of heart, their eyes were shut. Their ears were closed. And they missed the truth. Their minds were blinded. A veil was upon their hearts. And that veil remains on their hearts even today. You know, the Jews of Paul's day were so secure in the idea of who they were. So secure in the thought that they were the chosen people of God. They were the descendants of Abraham. Abraham was their father. And because they were Jew by birth, they were secure in the knowledge a false knowledge, but the knowledge that they themselves were secure. And that very idea became the very ruin of the nation of Israel. They became puffed up with pride. They looked upon the Gentiles as being uh, uh, dogs and, uh, and irrelevant, and God no, had no purpose for them. And they were secure in Abraham. That's the very thing that brought about their ruin. You know, nothing has changed. Because even today, God doesn't save a Jew because he's a Jew. He doesn't save an Israeli because he can trace his genealogy all the way back to Jacob or Abraham. See, there's no blessings promised in God's word, no blessings of Abraham promised in God's word for any Jew or Israeli who does not come to God by Christ. See, they may well be of the seed of Abraham. They may well be able to trace their genealogy all the way back to Jacob and eventually to Abraham. But unless they know Jesus Christ, their Savior, then they're not spiritual Israel. They're simply just another nation. It's been around for a long time, but just another nation going through the motions of existing because they rejected their Messiah. And because of that, God is not surprised that of all but a small remnant in Israel was, has accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ and therefore been declared righteous. In fact, it fits in right wing with the prophetic plan that's revealed by Moses early in this chapter and chapter 10 and by Isaiah and David and among others. See, the Apostle Paul's point here is clear. God has not rejected or forsaken or replaced Israel. God has not finished with Israel. And one day he'll ultimately fulfill all of his promises to Israel. He'll fulfill his covenants to them, and that's a guarantee. He'll fulfill every single promise he ever made to the nation of Israel. They will be fulfilled as God promised. God's made that promise. And even if we didn't have Paul's letter to confirm that idea, the very fact that the nation of Israel exists today as a nation living in the Middle East, amongst all those hostile nations around about them, is pretty good evidence 
that God hasn't finished with Israel yet. Now there's still an unbelief. They're still suffering God's chastening hand. But the wonderful news is that God is not finished with Israel. He will fulfill His word. He will keep His covenants. They will always be in Israel because that's God's promise. And that's a wonderful truth, beloved. God always keeps His promises. The second quote in Romans 11, 9 through 10, is from Psalm 69, 22 and 23. We read, And David saith, Let the table be made a snare and a trap, and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down that they may, that their back, sorry, and bow down their back alway. This line tells us that the things they loved are the things that cause their blindness. David saith, let their table made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense upon them. They become so set in their ways that they fail to listen to God. Because they love their sacrifices, because they love the altars and rituals, because they loved everything about the Mosaic law, they were blind to the truth of Christ. Here in verse 9, it says, David said, Let their table made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense upon them. Their table means the blessings from the hand of God. That table of blessing was laid out before the nation of Israel. God says, Let the very blessings, let the very covenants, let the very promises I've made to Israel, let them become a snare to them. The things which should have led them to Christ. Now the very thing that was going to ensnare them and prevent them from being saved. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24 tells us the purpose that God gave to them, the law, for instance. Galatians 3.24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law was given to bring us to Christ but now the very thing that God gave as a means of bringing them to salvation had become for them a stumbling block. It had become for them, as it says here, it had become a snare, a trap, a stumbling block. It was preventing them from getting saved because they could not see beyond the law to that which the law spoke of, which was the righteousness of God, which was found only in Christ their Messiah. They saw the law as the means to the end rather than seeing the law as God's means of revealing what the end needs to be. And they saw the law but didn't see God's righteousness. They saw the law but didn't see, as we found in Romans chapter 9, they didn't see their own unrighteousness. And because they couldn't see their own unrighteousness, believing that they had kept the law and therefore they were righteous, they failed to see the needs for the righteousness of God, which was found only in Christ, the Messiah. The things which should have led them to Christ became the occasion for their rejection of God. It became a snare, a trap, a stumbling block. And therefore, God's recompense 
And the word recompense here means judgment. God's judgment came upon them. See, God's not to blame for this situation. God gave them the law. He gave them the prophets. He gave them his word. He gave them the sacrifices. He gave them everything. And everything points to Christ. Who is the ultimate fulfillment of all these things. He is the means of righteousness. And everything points there. But instead of looking into the law and seeing Christ, they saw themselves and said, well, we can do this. And because of that, they suffered the recompense of God, the judgment of God. You know, someone might say, if you could just see how the Jewish people worship on Shabbat, the lighting of the candles, the wearing of the shawls, the ceremonial cleansing, it gives me goosebumps. Well, that may be true. Have you ever watched the ceremony of Hanukkah that the Jews go through it may well give us goosebumps. It may be lovely to watch. But it's all a snare. Because their trust is in their tradition. Their trust is in their rituals. Their trust is in something other than Jesus Christ. And they missed him when he came because of their dependence upon ritual and tradition. Nothing's changed. The same is true today for Israel as a nation. They, if they are religious at all, they are religious in their traditions, in their rituals, in their uh, ceremonies, their Hanukkah and Passover and everything else. And today it's true within Western culture. People love tradition. People love religion. We're coming up to Christmas and the, the world, Western world in particular will get right involved in the tradition of Christmas, into the rituals of Christmas. They'll sing the Christmas carols. They'll even make a big show of amazing grace. That wonderful song of salvation. They'll even sing that saved a wretch like me and they have no understanding that they're the wretch that Christ came to save. But because of their love of tradition, because of their love of ritual, because of their love of religion, it's keeping the vast majority of people today from knowing Christ is the only means of salvation. Romans 11.10 reminds us that grace rejected leads to spiritual blindness because it says in verse 10 let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back always their eyes were darkened so they could not see the truth even though the truth was before their very eyes because they refused to receive God's truth because they rejected God's son the messiah their backs were bent under the weight of guilt and punishment forever. God always protects and always provides for his people, but if those blessings are not received by faith, then they can become a stumbling block. 
You know, God's blessings call forth a response one way or the other. You either respond positively to God's blessings or you respond negatively to God's blessings, but there will always invoke a response. Either we accept it or we reject what God has done for us. Blessings only come when we yield to the will of God. That's true for the unsaved. The only way they can have the blessing of salvation is yielding to the will of God, which is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, acknowledging who Christ is and trusting Him and Him alone for salvation. And it's true for believers. The only way that you and I can receive the blessing of God is by yielding to the will of God. Israel resisted God. And he took his blessings for, they took his blessings for granted. And so God said, since you don't appreciate what I've done for you, I'm going to harden your heart. And so today, Israel as a nation is still in unbelief. They're still suffering at the chastening hand of God. They're in the land, but only after the Holocaust, with enemies all around them pointing their guns at them. But you know, the blessing is if they as individuals acknowledge Jesus Christ as their Messiah, if they confess the Lord Jesus and believe in their hearts, they will be saved. That's God's promise to all. The story told of a young Jewish man who while at university decided to once and for all prove Jesus Christ was a fake. He searched in many places the Old Testament scriptures, history books, Jewish writings, and after much study, he concluded that Jesus was the promised Messiah. And to the horror of his family, he received Jesus Christ as his Savior. And the wonderful truth is that God will always save anyone who believes in Christ for salvation. It's a whosoever will gospel, beloved. God will save all who will call upon Christ for salvation. Nobody exists outside the bounds of the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the glorious truth found here in Romans chapter 11 for us. He's not willing that any Jew or Gentile should perish. Let's praise God for his grace. Let's share it with those that we know that they too might know the Savior before it's too late. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for Romans chapter 11. We thank you for Paul's defense (coughs) of the truth that you're not willing that any should perish. And that, Father, whether anybody, a Jew or a Gentile, would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will save them. Lord, you pray, if there's anybody here today or watching online that doesn't know you as their Savior, that you would work in their hearts today to make them realize the only means of salvation is Christ, not ritual, not religion, but Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Lord, help us who are saved to have such a passion for the things of God, that we are a witness for you to all that we can, and we share with people the glorious news that Christ died for all. 
Father, we thank you for your word this day. We pray that you bless to our hearts and commend uh, your word to our hearts today. And bless now as we depart. Keep us safe till we meet again, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.